the latest on the world game. This is the 442 Insider, brought to you by Sony and Sony Ericsson, the only official technology providers of the 2010 FIFA World Cup. Hello and welcome to the 442 Insider podcast. Um, I'm Trevor Trahan and we've created a very special edition of the podcast this week. Um, the reason I'm billing it as a very special edition is because everyone is even in South Africa or asleep. So we've got a load of people on the phone edition. Doesn't sound quite as appealing. But yep, it's just me holding the fort here with uh, Andy and Paul still in South Africa and the online team having their breakfast just after office hours. So I thought it might be an opportunity to get some views from further afield. So we're going to listen to um, our online report, Aidan, in Sydney. But we've got guests who are in Singapore, Perth and Melbourne this week. Um, first up in section one, as I mentioned, is our online journo, Aidan Ormond. Um, he's been spending his World Cup seeking out various nations home from home in Sydney's tracked down the Italians, Greek, Brazilian, Portuguese fan and he's been spending his time partying with them and we're going to catch up to find out how that's been. Um, going to section two, we'll be hearing from former Manchester United and England defender Paul Parker. Now he's been working as a pundit with ESPN in Singapore. Um, the reason we're chatting to him is quite interesting what's happening to England at the moment because it's not unfamiliar because it seems to happen every four years. It's huge expectations and rubbish performances. Um, Paul played right back in the England team for Italia 90, a, a team which reached the semi-finals despite drawing their opening two games much like they have done this year. Um, Paul chats about the pressure of playing for England and if he thinks this England side can progress any further this time round. Um, on to section three, and we welcome Socceroos and Perth Glory midfielder Jacob Burns to discuss Australia's fortunes, and we'll get an insight into how the Aussie camp might be feeling right now. I mean, obviously, you know, Jacob could have been there himself, so we ask him what it's like to watch a tournament you, you could have been playing at. Um, there's also a bit of time to talk us through Perth Glory's pre-season, in addition of Robbie Fowler. Um, finally, section four, we're chatting to 442 reader Adam Santorossa, who was selected to spend the whole World Cup inside a six-metre replica of the Adidas Jabilani ball in Melbourne. Um, one of the strangest competitions you've ever heard of, but really interesting what he's been doing there. Um, we find out about how he's been spending his time and discover that some angry Socceroos fans took out their frustra- frustration on his spherical dwellings after the defeat to Germany. Mm, some quite scary stuff. Um, normal service will resume next week with Andy back in the country. Um, until then, I hope you enjoy the interviews, and I pray we're discussing Australia's fortunes in the knockout stages of the World Cup next time. Cheers. Aidan Ormond, online reporter. How are you doing, mate? Good, mate. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well. How have you been enjoying the World Cup? Yeah, for me, it's, uh, it's been all about the Latin, uh, Latin and South American teams, uh, Chile, Mexico... Argentina and to a lesser degree Brazil. Mm. For me, those are the teams that have really shone at this World Cup. Not just for the way they've played, but uh, the results that they've got as, as a result of playing that way. So, for me, that's been the real positive of this World Cup is that you know, attacking positive football, you know, is being rewarded and uh, you know, young teams as well. So that's been really good. The negative, of course, has been the refereeing, I think, which has been at times appalling. Mm. So I mean, we were making the point earlier. Is some of the refereeing to do with, you know, they're getting the refs from all different kinds of nations, and that may be the best best ref in that nation, but it's nowhere near the level of some of the more, you know, developed countries. Yeah, I mean, all all we ask for is consistency. Mm. 
Uh, and we're not getting consistency, and we're getting the same old tricks being played on referees, and they're not picking them up. Um, and I think it's pushing us closer towards some sort of match review panel where incidents like the one with Kaká uh, and uh, Kato um, are viewed after the game, and uh, you know perhaps cards can be rescinded, or there can be some sort of retrospective uh, punitive uh, action taken. So it's not good enough for the World Cup. No, I mean, that's the thing, that you you can't appeal with these things. They get sent off, they're gone, aren't they? You can't get them back for the next game. I think pretty much the only way you can get them revoked is if it's a sort of mistaken identity and, you know, they sent off the wrong player. But other than that, if you go off, you're missing games. Uh, uh, but, I mean, when it's a clear, what, what will happen with Kakar? It's such a clear violation of the rules. I guess it all it does is underline, clearly, the... Uh, the, the, the almost genius of Pierluigi Colina, who I think was just a superb referee, and I just wish every referee was as good as him. Yeah, he's almost a celebrity ref, wasn't it? How, how about sort of the World Cup on a personal level? Like, you know, you've got your body clock out. What time have you been having breakfast? Well, I'm having breakfast at the moment. Ah, uh, so that's five past five in the afternoon. Correct. Um, I'm having a lovely breakfast uh, while I'm on my way to start work later tonight. I'm going to meet some Mexican fans and then some Uruguayan fans. So. Yeah, look, it's, it's uh, like most people, their body clock is really out of whack. You know, you, you go to bed at about 6 or 7 o'clock in the morning, and it takes a toll. It takes a toll on your whole life. But look, you know, it happens once every four years. Um, and fortunately, the football's been really good. Um, and the fans, I've got to say, for me, the World Cup winner so far is the Argentinian fans. I've been hanging out with them at these nights they've been having, and they've been absolutely fantastic, as have the Chileans. Uh, and as have the Mexicans as well. So um, um, they've been fantastic and their teams have been fantastic too. Yeah, I was going to ask about that because I've, I've been seeing the photo galleries. I mean, you've, you've been out with the Italians and Portuguese and Greek and Brazilian fans. Um, what's been the highlight of hanging out with those different sets of fans? I think it's really interesting, really, really interesting to see the way different communities of fans celebrate. And... Um, I don't wish to downplay, you know, some of the uh, European nations, but I certainly think the the joy and the passion, um, and this sheer unadulterated sort of, um, uh, I guess, the joie de vivre of being at a World Cup comes through, shines through clearly with the Argentinian and Chilean fans. I mean, I I was with them in the main street of Sydney the other night, the Chilean fans jumping on buses and it turns out one of the buses was driven by a Chilean fan so we opened up the doors and we all got in so it was uh, it was great fun look Argentinian fans have been fantastic the Brazilian fans were great the other night at home nightclub um, and I think they've definitely been more uh, sort of uh, shall we say more spark there's more of a spark there than some of the European fans mm, sure um, no luck on tracking down some North Korean fans though one in Kempsey. Um but it's hard to know because he couldn't understand what I was asking him <laughs> and um, the question was I believe that you support North Korea but you're a South Korean um, that was the question but he didn't quite understand where I was coming from so I'm still working on that one and I'm also trying to find Honduran fans as well Mm, sure, I think the North Koreans will be keeping uh, fairly quiet after that Portugal result. Well, uh, my understanding is there aren't actually any here, so you have to be somebody from another country supporting North Korea, um, which might be a South Korean fan here and there. Um, but it's very hard to explain to them. I'm from 442. I just want to ask you this question. Do you support North Korea? 
and they take it in a man has some sort of like a political way and I'm just asking a sporting context mm. yeah sure I'm you know, Sydney's lucky enough to have one of the one of the FIFA fan fests. And yeah. What have you made of that? I mean, it's, it's been really packed, hasn't it? Some of them have been shut off with uh, not everyone who wants to be inside there. Yeah, it was extraordinary. I was standing up there in the in the uh, sheeting down rain at 5 a.m. the other night, and there were still about a hundred people there watching the Brazil game. Um, even though it was absolutely sheeting down with rain and very cold. So it's been a great place for people to come along and just show their colours. Um, and uh, what I've noticed is that there are fans from teams that aren't playing on the night. You just come down just to be a part of it. So it's been a great meeting point. And of course, it's, it's part of a great area where there's lots of bars where fans go as well. So I think, look, I think it's been a real success. Um, and uh, of course, with the Aussie games, I mean, they've actually had to shut the doors. Um, you can't get in or out because it's been so packed. And we're talking about really cold weather. We're talking about middle of the night stuff. So it's pretty impressive. Mm, sure. How about the Socceroos? Um, you know, how, how have the fans out and about been taking their progress? Well, look, I mean, I've just come in today and, and still there's loads of people with uh, Socceroo flags on their cars. <clears throat> and, um, you know, you still see plenty of fans out there. And I think they'll, they'll get another packed house out of the fan fest on Thursday morning for the Serbia game. Um, look, I think, look, you, you've got to put it in context. This is only our third World Cup ever. So it's still, just to be there is still exciting for us, I think. And also the fact that we've got New Zealand, who are sort of, you know, you could say it's an Australasian victory there when they play against uh, teams like Italy and Slovakia. So mm. I think for us it's just, it's really just about the joy of being there. And if we can get a result against Serbia and Canada's a favourite, even though. Sure. Uh, have you seen a lot of Kiwi fans out and about? I'm, gonna, I'm trying to find them, actually. Um, I saw them during the World Cup qualifier in Bahrain last year. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to catching up with a few. I haven't seen any so far. But uh, we may even end up going to New Zealand uh, to do a fan pick gallery if they qualify for the round of 16. In 1982, it was one little hand. In 66, a thin white line. One small man mesmerised the nation again in 86. Four years ago, a single tiny whistle pierced Aussie hearts. It only takes a touch. A fingertip between glory and defeat. With YouTube, tweet and SMS at the four customizable corners of your touchscreen, you'll have all the action at your fingertips with the Sony Ericsson Xperia X10 Mini. The world's biggest games. The world's smallest Android phone. The Xperia X10 Mini. Only from Sony Ericsson. Love to support your favourite soccer team on and off the pitch? Well, listen up, because whether you follow Manchester United or Melbourne Victory, Rebel Sports got all the gear you need. Now you can grab your team colours and wear them with pride with Rebel's massive English Premier League and A-League jersey sale. Grab selected men's jerseys from just $99.99. That's a saving of up to $40. Show your pride on and off the pitch this year. Hurry into Rebel Sport or shop online at rebelsport.com.au and get yourself a bargain before stocks run out. As one of the world's leading entertainment providers, Sony has launched the first ever global 3D experience of the FIFA World Cup. Football fans from around the globe can now get even closer to the action. It's time to get your game on.
This is the 442 Insider, brought to you by Sony and Sony Ericsson, the only official technology providers of the 2010 FIFA World Cup. This week we're welcoming back a former podcast guest for a second time. It's former Manchester United and England international Paul Parker. How you doing, Paul? I'm not doing too bad at all. Excellent, excellent. Now, Paul, we'll get on to the Socceroos in a minute, but first I wanted to chat England. Um, you reached the semi-finals of England at Italia 90, where I believe you started with two draws like they have this time round. Um, do you still think England have got a chance of going on a similar run to the semis like, they, like you did back in 1990? Um, I would say they need a lot more luck than maybe what we had during, during that venture, to be perfectly honest. <clears throat> There's similarities because of the fact we drew two games, but I think really and truly that's where the similarities go, you know, disappear I should say, because, you know, we wasn't, we wasn't as bad in the second game against the Dutch, I mean, we was, you know, we got, we, we got a well-earned draw, we had a fairly good, we had a good goal disallowed as well by Gary Lineker in that game as well, and we weren't anywhere near as bad as what it is at the moment, because we had, we had a work ethic, we had a, a lot more desire and passion than what, what they've shown at the moment in time, to be perfectly honest, and as high on that 1990 team as they are on the, the current crop. I mean, people are expecting this England side to, to go and win it, but is that asking too much? Asking, as far as I'm concerned, asking way too much, because I think if you, if anybody look at the similarities of the squads, look at the players from that squad, and look at the players from this squad, Neil Webb, Neil Webb and Steve Hobbs were the only players, I think, sorry, and Chris Woods as well, who, who never made an appearance. Um, and you look at the calibre of those two players, Neil Webb and Steve Hodge, it tells you that it was a really good squad for those two not to be able to get a game. I look at his squad and once you go past about 12, 13 players, I don't think anybody else would really be, be there batting for any other player coming and try and change it. There isn't just working quality in England, to be perfectly honest. Um, people always, to me, talked about Australia and about their issues when England have got an issue because we've allowed too many players to come in and made our club sides better, our league better, but we've forgotten about the most important thing in football is, is your national team, and that at the moment in time is being left behind. Mm. I mean, you can just sense from this England team that they're playing under this mountain of pressure, you know, you can see it in their body, body language on and off the pitch. I mean, do you think that's one of the main problems? I think it's a big problem because um, I think a Good enough, but they don't get opportunities to play with experience and top players. Mm, 
to. I mean, there's talk of the players, you know, coup this time round. You know, players aren't happy with Capello, but there were similar rumours in 1990 that you guys wanted to speak to Bobby Robson about how the team was set up in their early games. I mean, was that true? Did that ever happen in the 1990 squad? And how would you handle it with this current squad if players are unhappy? Um, I think something did happen in 1990. I was a new kid in the block at the time. I've been around the squad. Thrashing. Um, I think it, I don't think it surprised many people. I mean, I was always saying that they needed 
game was a lot better though. Um, a lot of people quite upset about Harry Kuehl's sending off, but surely the ref had uh, no choice in which decision he was going to make there. No, he didn't. He didn't have a choice. Harry, choice. Harry moved his arm towards the ball, and it's a human nature to do that, to be honest. You, anybody would do that in that situation, because if you just stand and let it go past you, and you ex- try and explain why you let it go past you, people say, well, if you're handballed, there might be a chance to save the penalty. The goalkeeper must stand a chance. So Harry was in a, a no-win position, and he done that. And to be honest, it's, it's happened to Harry Kuehl. He hasn't had the best of times in the last, in the last week, to be perfectly honest. On the part, well, he hasn't been on not off the park really with what's going on with the, um, with the media so you know they, they puffed they huffed and puffed against Ghana Australia but to be honest you know Australia have got a similar problem to England because after this World Cup they've got to try then and try and bridge a major major gap one that might be just too big to bridge you know until you know for the next stage you know for the next stage of the World Cup they're just looking for they're not going to make it because they're going to have to build to sit with that but the one thing that Australian football fans have to understand they've got to give the next manager time to build. If they don't make the next World Cup, it isn't a big crisis because they've done great to actually, you know, 2006 was good, you know, 2010 was great that they qualified, but they've got to understand that they're going to have to rebuild and look at the whole structure of their football and try and get something that this never happens again. They, they have to have a team that's too old with no, with no young players coming through. Mm, sure, I mean... They're not out of it yet, the soccer is. They've, they've got the final game against Serbia. How do you see that one panning out? I personally, I personally just can't see your strike. You know, they, they need to win the game. And to be perfectly honest, the Serbians are going to be a little bit quick and clever from, especially up front. You know, you know Craig Moore can't play. Um, his experience could have counted, but his lack of pace might have been found out as well. But I think the sheer movement, and they know in themselves, the Serbians, that, you know, to win the, you know, they win the game, they, you know, they're going to be group winners. Mm, so finally, what's your prediction for the tournament winner based on what you've seen so far? Um, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the mad, the mad professor in um, Maradona, mm. Argentina. I think the thing about Argentina, the first performance when they got through in the court, the second performance was absolutely fantastic. So I worried about them defensively, but they showed at the end of the day if you keep the ball long enough. Not many people can actually get at your defence because they haven't got the ball, but I was got that feeling about Argentina. People are still not shouting about them, to be honest. Not many people are shouting about most teams because it's, it's still reasonably open, but the one thing I think we do know, I personally know, is that England are not going to win this World Cup. They might get through this next stage with a bit like in Slovenia, but we have to look at it and say fundamentally that they're not going to win the World Cup. Sure. Great stuff. Thanks for chatting to the 442 Insider podcast today, Paul. No worries at all. As an official partner of FIFA, Sony has opened 3D pavilions at FIFA FanFest sites in seven countries across the globe. Starting at Nelson Mandela Square, Johannesburg, six more FIFA FanFest sites are located in Berlin, Mexico City, Paris, Rio de Janeiro, Rome and Sydney. In addition to showcasing a host of Sony Entertainment, for the first time, football fans will be able to experience the 3D world created by Sony when they watch highlights of the 2010 FIFA World Cup in 3D. Love to support your favourite soccer team on and off the pitch? Well, listen up, because whether you follow Manchester United or Melbourne Victory, Rebel Sports got all the gear you need. Now you can grab your team colours and wear them with pride with Rebel's massive English Premier League and A-League jersey sale. Grab selected men's jerseys from just $99.99. That's a saving of up to $40. Show your pride on and off the pitch this year. Hurry into Rebel Sport or shop online at rebelsport.com.au and get yourself a bargain before stocks run out. Rebel Sport.
In 74, we barely made a splash. Beaten by a dive in 06. All the action. YouTube, tweet and SMS at the four customizable corners of the world's smallest Android phone. The Xperia X10 Mini from Sony Ericsson. This is the 442 Insider, brought to you by Sony and Sony Ericsson, the only official technology providers of the 2010 FIFA World Cup. Our next guest is Socceroo and Perth Glory midfielder Jacob Burns. Are you well today, Jacob? Yeah, good, thanks, Joe. Excellent. Um, so the World Cup well underway. What have you made of the tournament so far? Yeah, I've enjoyed it. Um, I think that there's, uh, there's been some great games and... Uh, there's been some unusual decisions also being made and uh, some big upsets at the minute. But, uh, but yeah, been getting up at all hours of the morning trying to catch most of the games and uh, you know, watching the Aussies keenly. Yeah, so which sides really impressed you? Argentina, I think, um, have, have been you know the ones for me that really have kind of lifted to another, another level. Um, and also the other night, Portugal really showed what they could do. They had a bit of a sluggish first half, but... Um, thought that you know in the second half they really turned it on and showed what what I think everyone's uh, expecting of them. Mm, I mean a few of the bigger sides have, have kind of disappointed I mean you've been particularly disappointed of anyone more than someone else? Yeah I, I kind of thought England would have you know been a little bit better um, it's been a bit disappointing I, I've kind of had them pick them to be up the top uh, to at least make the semis but um, you know they're up against it now um, in their last game and uh, and you know, like some of the some of the big you know the big teams like France as well that you just expect or automatically think would be there, um, you know, are performing um, for whatever reasons. I mean, what's going on with England? Because they've clearly got the players to to do well in this tournament, but they can never seem to pull it together when they need to. Yeah, I don't know if it's expectations or pressure, but you know, you've got they've got a fantastic team on paper. Um, yeah, and it's just, I don't know if the pressure's getting to them, or, but, you know, or teams are lifting against them um, for the occasion. But, you know, World Cups are all about that. You know, there's always upsets and they're one-off games and it's not like a league where, you, you know, you have, you know, a certain amount of games to turn things around. You know, it's a, it's a one-off game and you can see kind of players playing within themselves or, or nerves playing a big part in, in the way they're performing. Sure. Let's chat Australia now. It's... Tough start to the World Cup, losing 4-0 to Germany. Um, how did you feel after that encounter? Yeah, I must say, it kind of, uh, yeah, it was, it was hard to take, really. I mean, Germany are a quality side, but in saying that, I think that, you know, tactically, we, we kind of, we changed things up and, and it backfired on us, you know, and, and the personnel changing as well. Um, and, and topped that with a few kind of dubious decisions from, from the referee. Um, you know, you're on the end of a 4-0 loss. Um, you know, I, I dare say that you know if we we stuck to our guns and and, and, and played our formation right and the team right um, without a send off, you know, to, to one of our star players, I think that you know we could have matched them and, and the scoreline, you know, would have been a lot more respectable. But I mean, that's that's footy that's happened in a lot of the games. You know, you send a lot of send offs this World Cup, um, and when that happens, you know, it, it changes the whole dimension of the game. Um, and again, in, in the game against Ghana, I thought that we. Uh, we were incredible against Ghana and, and showed tremendous character. And then, you know, another decision and then it affects you again. So we're up against it. But um, I was really pleased with the boys to bounce back because, you know, there was a lot of scrutiny under a lot of pressure going into the Ghana game. And to perform like they did, um, I think, was fantastic. It, it showed the pride that they have in the jersey. And, 
and uh, what they're capable of on, on the day. So, I mean, you mentioned the Ghana game there. It obviously was a far improved performance. Do you think that they would have won with 11 men on the pitch? They seem the better team with 10 men. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think that, um, you know, we got the early goal and we were really controlling things. They, they kind of, maybe there was a period of 10 minutes where they got back into it and then the send-off happened. But I think that even, as you said, with 10 men, um, you would think that they were the ones with a man down um, watching it. You know, I think that we, we still created and we still had chances there to to win the game and get all three points. It's a tall order to, to qualify from here, but matters would be made a lot simpler if, if Ghana could beat Germany. Um, I mean, do you see that happening? Yeah, it's going to be tough, I must say. You know, I mean, it's a hard group, and, and Germany are going to be hard to break down, knowing that you know that they, they don't want to lose to Ghana um, and, and give us a chance to get back in. But you know, funny things happen in football in World Cups, and you've seen it so far. So. We've got to, I think, just get on with our job and concentrate on beating Serbia and then, you know, let the rest take its course and, and hopefully, yeah, Ghana can, can put, a, put one up on Germany and, and see us, you know, go through. Um, you know, what's going to be the key to beating Serbia? I think that we've got to be, you know, obviously they know we've got to score goals, um, so we've got to be very careful on their counter. Um, I think that's what they're going to be banking on, you know, trying to you know, absorb what we're throwing at them because they know we need to get the result and then try to catch us out. So we've got to be really switched on in the transition and try to, to kind of cut that out. Mm, I mean, you've obviously, obviously been in the soccer set up in recent years. How do you think the mood in the camp's going to be heading into the Serbia game? Um, I, think, I think that, you know, it's going to be positive. I think we've got enough experience there and good players um, that, you know, have played at the top level to know what they're... they're they're capable of know what you know they've got to do the job at hand. So I think that you know that's, they'll be confident that they, they can get a result and they'll be going all for it. Um, and, and you know playing them with as much pride as they did the other night, I think it's a good sign. You know they can take a lot of positives out of the Ghana game and uh, and take that into to the Serbia game. So if I could put you on the spot, what are your predictions for how Group D is going to pan out? I think that we can do it. You know, I've got to, you know, I'm, I'm hoping and, and praying that, you know, we can, uh, that Ghana, you know, I think can, can turn Germany over. Um, it'll be a tight affair. There'll only be a goal in it, I think. Um, and, and we can, you know, we can nick a goal um, and hang on to it, you know, against Serbia. Mm. So um, what's it been like watching the lads out there and, and not having the chance to play? Does, does it make it tougher to watch? Uh, I mean, I think you're more emotionally attached because you know what they're going through and, and you're mates with a lot of the lads and, you know, playing in all the qualifiers leading up, you do have, you know, a, a bigger attachment there. Um, I, you know, it's been a great experience. You know, the World Cup's great. You know, everyone enjoys, you know, to watch it and, and it would have been lovely to be a part, but it wasn't to be. But, um, you know, I'm full of support and, you know, I've been texting the boys, wishing them all the best and, you know, I'd love to see us go further for football. For the country and for the football in the whole, you know. So, um, just a final few questions on uh, on Perth Glory. How has pre-season been going? Yeah, it's been going well. It's been uh, quite tough. Uh, the lads are really putting it in. We've had, you know, quite a few double sessions and and some hard kind of uh, runs put in there. So, we're travelling well at the minute. So, um, you know, I don't want to jinx ourselves. So, I just hope we can continue. Um, we've got a tour coming up uh, to Asia over the next couple of weeks so that'll be something to look forward to with some games um, but yeah at the moment we're looking good um, you know keeping everyone on the paddock and obviously the inclusion of uh, some good players experienced players um, with Robbie Fowler and uh, Josh Mitchell and, and, and Michael Baird so um, 
we've got a, quite a bigger squad this, this season, a bit more depth, so hopefully that can uh, steer us the right direction. Yeah, um, how's Robbie been settling in then? Yeah, fantastic. Um, you know, I know Rob from back in Leeds days, and uh, you know he's a top pro, and um, you know he's still very sharp and 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 uh, you know very keen to do well and impress here. So um, he's going to be great for us, you know, and I, and I think it's something that we've needed. Mm, sure, he hasn't tried to buy your house off you yet, has he? Because you know what a, a property owner <laughs> is. I think he's got enough. I think he's got enough in his collection, to be honest. Yeah, right. He's just doing football for fun. Um, <laughs> and finally, um, what are the expectations for the season? How far do you think this Perth team can go? Well, we've got to set our you know expectations up in the top few again this season. I think we've got the squad on paper to do it. Um, you know, putting it on the pitch is is a different story, but. Um, you know, you've got to set your targets high and try and reach them. I think it was fun last season um, for the first time for Glory since the A-League had been about. Uh, and this season, realistically, we want to be, you know, up in a top two spot. Um, we, we know there's, there's some quality sides out there and we've just got to, you know, stick to our game and, and do well, especially when we're travelling. Sure. Jacob Burns, thanks for chatting to the 442 Insider podcast today. Cheers, thanks, Cheers. As one of the world's leading entertainment providers, Sony has launched the first ever global 3D experience of the FIFA World Cup. Football fans from around the globe can now get even closer to the action. It's time to get your game on. In 74, we barely made a splash. Beaten by a dive in 06. All the action. YouTube, tweet and SMS at the four customizable corners of the world's smallest Android phone. The Xperia X10 Mini from Sony Ericsson. This is the 442 Insider, brought to you by Sony and Sony Ericsson, the only official technology providers of the 2010 FIFA World Cup. Hello and welcome back. Now we're going to speak to Adam Santarossa, the 442 reader who was selected to live inside a six-metre replica of the Adidas Jabalani World Cup ball in Melbourne. How are we doing today, Adam? Okay, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, very well. Um, look, you've been in the ball for, for kind of approaching two weeks now. Um, have you been enjoying your time in there? Yeah, look, the first few days it took a little bit of getting used to, obviously, uh, like most football fans, sort of reprogramming the body uh, to get some sleep uh, at different times during the day. And uh, obviously, you know, taking some getting used to getting eyes on you uh, 24-7. But, uh, but the, you know, the first couple of days are a bit of a challenge. But once we got around that, uh, you know, I'm having the time of my life with you. You know, like it's football, 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 really. And, uh, yeah, I'm loving it. So um, you mentioned the fans. How have they been? Have you had many people coming down to see you? Uh, yeah, a lot of people coming down. We've got, um, obviously, uh, the soccer roof games. There's been hundreds of people. Obviously, the Melbourne life side is not too far away from the ball here. So... A lot of fans coming through regularly to, uh, to the Soccer Roos games. And on top of that, uh, just, you know, the, the main coverage that the, that the ball has had has really prompted a lot of people to come down and check it out. So, um, yeah, hundreds of people come down and, uh, you know, a lot of people uh, don't want to grab photos. Some people want autographs, which is a little bit strange. But, um, yeah, it's all good fun and the fans have been really good. They've, they've come out in numbers, yeah. Sure. Um, how about dealing with all the uh, the media commitments? Have you uh, had a lot, a lot of that too? Obviously, it's uh, something new and uh, something I've never really done before, but uh, it's, it's yeah, good fun, you know, uh, doing photo shoots, TV interviews, uh, you know, radio interviews as well. You know, it's a bit difficult um, of a morning when I'm going to sleep with a phone next to my ear because I've got breakfast radio interviews in the morning. So uh, after the 6.30 game, I sort of uh, go up into bed and, um, you know, I'm 
woken up from with my phone ringing and I, I chat for about five minutes, put the phone back down, and then half an hour later someone rings me. So it's um, it's a bit challenging, but look, it's all good fun. And as I said, I can't complain. It's uh, I'm having the time of my life in here. Sure. You mentioned the fans there, but not all of them have been as friendly as some other ones. And you had some uh, some rude rude people bumping into the ball. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, after the soccer is game against Germany, we had a bit of trouble, obviously, uh, as, as I was frustrated. I'm sure most of the soccer is fans were with the performance, and uh, coming back from the last side, a couple of them let their frustrations out on the ball. But uh, I actually slept through it, which was the funny thing. Uh, apparently, uh, one of the fans, uh, as the Melbourne Melbourneites do with their AFL following, tried a, a nice hip and shoulder on the ball and uh, caused a little bit of damage, but uh, I slept completely through it. And uh, I, didn't, I woke up uh, later, later the day, in the day and... Um, was told the story, so uh, you know I, I sadly missed it, but um, apparently it, it made good viewing. Oh, I'm sure it did. Um, moving on to the football, um, these final group games are going to be sort of played at the same time. How are you going to juggle between the simultaneous games? Yeah, it's going to be tough. Um, I've only got SBS one down here, so uh, obviously I'll be watching the replay straight after the uh, the main live game that SBS choose to show. But uh, I think it's nine over nine hours of con- continuous football, so uh, you know things are going to crank up a gear. You know, three ga- three games is. Uh, it's a bit challenging at times. Uh, I'm sure four is going to be uh, going to be very exciting. And uh, look, uh, the games are really picking up a gear now because teams have to go out and win, and they're not sitting back and trying to nick a point like some teams have been. So uh, I'm sure I'll be able to get through it. And uh, look, some of the games we saw over the last few days, if, if they continue to uh, resemble those, uh, it's going to be easy work. Uh, four games of football. Sure. I mean, when those final group games have, have played out, there'll be a little bit of time between uh, the round of 16 and quarter-final games and what have you. Have you got any plans on how you keep yourself busy? Yeah, that, I said uh, initially when I, when I was coming in here, I thought that would be the hardest part of the, the time. Obviously, there's, there's game, uh, days where there's no game at all and there's time when obviously there's only the one game. So, uh, you know, now I, I'm loving the fact that there's four games of football and I've really got a pretty 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 busy schedule if I can get that out but um, yeah it's going to be a bit tough I've got a couple of books I've brought down a couple of autobiographies and a few DVDs I haven't had a chance to really get into so they may be needed um, for days like that so uh, hopefully I can immerse myself into those and keep myself busy Sure Let, let's chat about Group D um, where the Socceroos are in amongst them um, first of all Ghana Germany how do you see that one panning out? Yeah look I think uh, Germany will, will do I mean, I see them sort of hanging on for a draw, uh, but in saying that, uh, I, I expect Australia to beat Serbia, uh, so I think Germany will try and hold on for a draw there. Um, but, it, you know, it doesn't really help, does it, the fact that um, I, can, I can see Germany beating Ghana. I, for some reason, I, I don't know what happened against Serbia. I think they just were a little bit out of luck, and, and, and Serbia sort of uh, nicked a goal against the run of play when Closer was sent off, and, um, you know, Serbia just... I went on the defence and Germany couldn't break them down. It's been the story of the World Cup for a number of times. But uh, I, I can't see the soccer is progressing, to be honest. I think there's just too many stars have to align. Of course, we've got to beat Serbia quite comfortably. And um, obviously, we, we need Ghana to beat Germany or uh, Germany to beat Ghana quite convincingly. So uh, I just can't see it happening. And uh, I think the soccer is going to end, unfortunately. Yeah, sure. I mean... If we were to talk about the Serbia game isolated, regardless if it will mean if we'll get through or not, um, do you think that we'll beat Serbia? I think we can beat Serbia. I think uh, from what I've seen of them, they don't really have a lot in an attack, and uh, you know they have to go out and win the game as well. So they can't, uh, you know, they can't play this cagey type style of football like they did against Germany, where they're just content to hit on the break. They've got to go out and win the game, and that will help Australia's cause because that'll obviously open them up at the back. Uh, I think Australia aren't going to die wondering. They're going to throw the kitchen sink at Serbia, and uh, the fact 
fact that we almost beat Ghana with 10 men uh, really excites me for what we could do to Serbia. Yes, I mean, even if Australia failed to get through the group like it's looking at at the moment, you know, will it be seen as a, as a bad World Cup considering you know, we made it and we got given a very tough group? Yeah, I think the World Cup campaign of 2010 deserves a bit of context. Uh, you know, obviously Germany are a world football in power. Um, so, you know, 4-0 against Germany, there's a lot of sides in this competition that would cop a bigger result than that. Um, so it does deserve some context. We have a very tough group. I mean, people are talking about how well New Zealand are doing, how well other countries are doing. You know, if we were in some of those groups, we would be comfortably progressing, I can guarantee you that. Um, you know, particularly New Zealand's group, I think Australia would have no, no trouble uh, progressing through that. So it is unfortunate the group we've got, but, um, you know, that is the World Cup. And, and you need a lot of luck in the World Cup, and it's not only on the field, it's obviously when those balls uh, drop at the, uh, you know, at the... Um, the lottery for the group placing. So, you know, unfortunately, we, we got a tough group. But, look, if we get out of it, it's only going to give us confidence to uh, to go as far as we can in the uh, second round. How about those Kiwis? Hey, have, have you been getting behind the all ones? I have on the Kiwis. I, I, I'm cheering them on. I mean, it's, it's a great story in New Zealand. Um, the fact that, you know, four years ago when, when Australia qualified for the World Cup, we didn't even play New Zealand in the Oceania uh, part of that qualification, we obviously took on the Sultan Island. So it goes to show how far New Zealand football has come, and it's basically a similar story to Australian football in 2006. And I can see only good things happening now. We'd obviously the Phoenix had a great year as well. So New Zealand football is on the rise. I was in New Zealand uh, in February of this year, and you could not find all white stuff anywhere. It was all the All Blacks, the New Zealand Warriors, you know, uh, Super 14 jerseys, and uh, I'm told it's a similar story now, but it's because it's sold. They're completely sold out. So that's great. New Zealand football, and look, I, I hope they go through. Um, I've actually I had a bit of a slight bet before I got in here, and um, uh, I think it was seventeen dollars to get to the second round. So I put uh, a lazy uh, five dollars on them. So I'm hoping that they uh, they get through for that. But um, it's going to be tough. I think Italy, uh, you know, they've been playing poorly, and they've got Slovakia, and I can see them knocking off Slovakia. And Paraguay probably the form team of that group at the moment. So not easy for New Zealand, but I'll be cheering them on, and uh, fingers crossed they go through. Sure. Finally, going back to the ball, you're running a top boot hot lap challenge. Um, tell us more about that. Yeah, we've got a, a former soccerish stick who uh, has set a pretty crappy pace. Uh, I think 11.23 seconds is his time, and uh, we also had myself. I had a go at it, and uh, I actually absolutely choked on my run. Uh, I went for a, a bit of an audacious uh, flick because you have to finish your lap with uh, flicking it into the ball, and uh, I was a little bit too cute and. Uh, didn't quite uh, come off as, as I would like, so I lost a few seconds there. So I'm actually trailing the field at the moment. And uh, Chris Smith, of course, from Football Superstar, he was in here uh, watching the England game with me, and he, he knocked me off. So I've been beaten by a rugby player by uh, 0.12 of a second. So uh, I'd love to have another crack at it, but sadly that's not how it works in the uh, top boot hot lap challenge. But basically the challenge is um, we've set up a little course around the ball and, and basically the quickest time around, dribbling, and then uh, obviously you finish by shooting into the... Uh, into the uh, the front door of the uh, of the ball. So um, yeah, we've got some uh, pretty good contenders. We're going to have some uh, some other big names down uh, on the duration of uh, my journey here, and uh, we'll see if anyone can knock off the stick. Mm, sure. I mean, you mentioned Chris Smith from Football Superstar. There, am I right in saying you watched the England game with him? How was that? Yeah, England and Algeria was the game he popped in for, and uh, look, he's a great bloke. It was good fun to have him here, and we uh, stitched him up. We've got a couple of uh, little sketches. We got, we're not the best actors, I must say, but um, we had a bit of fun, and I've got a couple of videos up on the website, uh, mantheball.com, with uh, with Chris doing showing off his newly uh, acquired acting talent. So uh, he was great fun. He wasn't very happy with the result, as you can imagine, obviously being an England supporter, but um, 
yeah, he, uh, he was more than happy to take up the top boot challenge and uh, we had a lot of fun. Excellent. Well, you can follow Adam's antics inside the ball on his Facebook page or his Twitter, and we'll post links to both of those on the news story for this podcast. But for now, cheers for chatting to us today, Adam. All right, Trev. Anytime, mate. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.